morning, Lake Hills Church. How are you today? Yeah. You sound phenomenal. For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Mac Richard, and I'm the pastor here, and I just want to welcome you and tell you we are so, so honored to have you here on a really special day. Now, for the last few weeks as a church, we've been engaged and immersed in this teaching series called Morph, because we kind of believe that at the heart of the Christian faith and what it means to live in a relationship with God, it requires a change, a very, very real change. And so we've been looking at what that is and how that happens in our lives over the last few weeks. And today we have a really unique opportunity with Corey Morrow. Now, Corey is a world-renowned singer-songwriter. He's traveled around the world. He's played the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Corey, like me, grew up in Houston, but was delivered and now lives here in Austin. And Corey has an incredible story about change in his life. And this is something, it's been amazing to see how this has really all come together. We started talking about him doing something like this months and months and months ago and trying to line up his schedule with our church's schedule and all those kind of things. And it just so happened that it was right in the middle of this series called Morph. I cannot wait for you to hear his story through word and through his music. We are so honored to have him here, especially, especially honored to have his bride, Sherry, here with us down here in the front row. Sherry, we're honored to have you. And, you know, I, I don't know what you feel like maybe about public speaking or being on stage in front of people, but I will tell you, you know, to, to sing in front of 50,000 people at the Houston Rodeo is easy compared to being here today and sharing his story with us. And so we are so grateful. I want to ask you if you will join me. Stand to your feet and give a crazy Lake Hills welcome to Corey Morrow. Thank you. The pressure's off. Um, my name is Corey Morrow. Um, some of you, thank you. Some, some of you know me. Um, some of you may not. Um, I'm a singer-songwriter. I've been blessed with a career doing that for the past 25 years. <clears throat> and I've also been blessed with a beautiful family. Hey, yeah. You did. My wife, Sherry, and our 25 kids. Uh, Bear, Waylon, Wesley, Worth, and Daisy, Diane. We finally got a girl. Hallelujah. Hi. Um, I've also been blessed with a story, uh, my, <clears throat> my testimony, and that's what I'm here today to do, to tell you about how Jesus changed my life. So before I get into that, um, I'm used to uh, sitting up on a stage or standing up on a stage playing guitar. As Max says, I'm world renowned and I play in front of 50,000 people every night. <laughs> in my mind. Um, and this is my shield and this is my protector and this is gonna be my shield for tonight too so that you won't think anything of me. And if you do, I'll be protected. But I'm gonna play a song to kind of loosen me up and loosen you up. Um, in the beginning of my walk, I used to ask God to break me and to remake me. And when I told my mother-in-law that, she would, uh, she'd go, ooh, you be careful about what you pray for because God, God is very faithful. You might get just what you're asking for. Bought ourselves a broke-down, worn-out, beat-up mess of a home. All the walls are falling down, but the foundation's strong. Well, the first time that I saw her, I went straight down to the 
bank All my friends said I was crazy But I don't care what they think There's something in the wind Like a whisper in my ear It's calling in a voice Only I could hear Saying take me and break me down Oh, build me up like new Cause I'm a wreck I'm a mess, I'm a worn out shell If you don't think my best days are through Well then, all I need is you Yes, it's true Sitting in the driveway of that home Is a truck from my youth like a diamond but now she's black and blue we used to fly out on the blacktop man we'd let them horses run now it's like she's out the pasture just sitting in the sun still something in the wind like a whisper in my ear calling in a voice only I could hear saying take I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, I'm a worn-out shell And if you don't think my best days are through Well then, all I need is you Still I'm down on my knees, I'm begging please Oh, won't you see me through, won't you see me through Take me and break me down, oh, build me up like new Cause I'm a wreck, I'm a mess, I'm a worn out shell my best days are through you know there's gonna be a lot of work to do still if you don't think my best days are through well lord then all i need is you is true. all i need Thank you, I lived happily ever after. Good night. Man, I wish it was that easy. So, he is all I need. And uh, I am a wreck, I have been a wreck, I am a mess, I have been a mess. And uh, I was in need of a savior and I found one. So I'm gonna walk you through my life and tell you how I got to this stage today, somehow without getting a speeding ticket. Childhood was pretty unstable. Um, my parents divorced when I was about two years old. Uh, by the time I was 14, uh, my mother and father tallied up about five or six marriages and divorces between the two of them. Um, I lived with my mom in Houston. Uh, she was a successful real estate agent, mogul, and um, because of that success, spent a lot of time um, with uh, folks that she was trying to uh, find to help uh, raise us right, right? So uh, we spent a lot of time with living maids. I spent the night at a lot of friends' houses. Um, somebody you might know, because they'd go to church on uh, Sunday mornings, uh, my friend Brett and his family. Um, and I spent uh, time in Young Life. Uh, she put me there. She sent me to Lady Lodge Youth Camps. And uh, I actually accepted Jesus into my life when I was 14 years old. And uh, thank you very much. Is that it? No. Thought that was it. Um, that didn't take, but uh, there was a seed planted, right? And um, 
my father, he lived in San Antonio, uh, and because of the divorce, I only got to see him every other weekend. So dad was more uh, focused on being a um, buddy, being my, my friend, rather than really being a father figure or a parent. Um, and uh, we were given a whole lot, and I was kind of able to do whatever I wanted. Uh, and then there was Joe, and we're going to hear a lot about Joe today. Um, and I'm not here to bash on my parents, uh, because... Um, it's not their fault. Uh, I made the choices that I made, but um, I just want to kind of give you a background about the influence that your that parents have. When I was 11 years old, I met Joe. Actually, I met him when I was nine. He married my mom when I was 11. And um, he was an enormous influence, he and his friends, on my life. Um, he didn't like me very much, and uh, I didn't like him very much. Um, mostly because on the first day that I met him, or when, when, I was, uh, when he was first coming around, he told me to shut up because I was crying and looking for my mom. And um, you're supposed to laugh. Uh, he, uh, he also would call me mama's boy to my face. And um, it was kind of belittling and degrading. And um, Joe had a, what I understand now is a really a big emptiness, a void in his life. And he was searching for happiness in all the things of this world, right? He, uh, he was trying to, he, he drank, he, he smoked grass, he uh, chased women, he well, he went to strip clubs. And, um, you know, he and his friends would eventually take me to these clubs. And they eventually would smoke grass with me and, and drink with me. And um, so this is kind of the upbringing. This is the raising that I had. And this is, this is the influence that I had. And this is what was modeled for me, this behavior, trying to find happiness in the things of this world. And when that didn't work, they'd go to therapy. Because therapy was the answer back in the 80s. And uh, my mom went to therapy and I went to therapy. We all went to therapy. We're a big happy therapy family. Um, but that wasn't working either. Um, and so uh, as I started growing up, I found myself uh, on what my wife and I refer to as a frantic search for happiness. I was restlessly searching for things of this world to make me happy, right? I uh, drank when I was 14. I was smoking grass by the time I was 18. I was doing um, cocaine and harder drugs uh, not long after that. I went to college for a couple of years, but college wasn't very fun, and fun was the idea, and so uh, I quit college. Uh, I tried my hand at singing and songwriting, and that started to work out for me. Um, uh, girls started to pay attention to me at this point, and that was a really important thing for me, to have women to like me, to girls. Girls were a big deal for me, uh, and, and so I'm... Um, uh, Having fun now and playing, playing music and, uh, and girls like me, those two big key factors, that's pretty good. So I'm gonna stick with this for a little while. So that started working and, uh, and I started going down this path and I started living really hard and really fast. And um, I don't know if anybody out there has been around following me for any number of years. Nobody? Great. Um, well, you may have thought, uh, you know, this guy's got it going on. He's got uh, a bus and a uh, you know, following, and his girls, and it's all good. Or you, you probably thought that I needed Jesus, which I did. Um, and so <laughs> my self-worth was really dependent upon my moods, and it was also dependent upon what you thought of me, right? Um, if, if you thought I was cool, well, then I was having some success at life. And um, I was chasing uh, fame and fortune, and I was using money and drugs and women to satisfy that, that deep insecurity that I discovered that I have, right? And so I uh, started living this, this crazy lifestyle that you may have heard about. And I wrote about it. It's all over my songs. Um, but I want to make the point that uh, I, I really had a problem with objectifying women. And uh, it was, it was a, uh, a stronghold in my life. And uh, it started at a young age because that's what was modeled for me. And, um, you know, while Joe, I know, loved my mom, I, he didn't really show a lot of respect to my mom in, in, in the way that he acted and spoke and, and talked to me about her and talked to her. But um, this, this cycle that I found myself in uh, of, uh, of chasing all these things to try to fill up this void in my life uh, ended up causing me to be extremely depressed. And when I was 25 years old, I, uh, I admitted, myself into the, admitted myself into the seventh floor of the Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas. Um, for those that have attended, it's also known as the loony bin. 
and uh, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I uh, still battle with that today. I don't know if anybody else has a, a struggle with that, but um, it's a lifelong situation. Um, I realized that this lifestyle was something that I was becoming addicted to. Um, and there, I didn't really know that there was any other way of living. What was modeled for me was this. Um, I think I knew back in my mind that when I was 14, I found Jesus. I thought maybe Jesus was a way out of this. But, you know, if, if what I saw was if you follow Jesus, you can't drink and you can't smoke and you can't chase girls. Well, that's no fun, so I don't want to do that. And nobody had ever, <laughs> Max, the only one who laughed. Um, <laughs> nobody ever had lived that example for me. The only example I'd seen was, was this crazy lifestyle of frantically searching for, for happiness, right? So um, I kept doing this, and, and I, as I became addicted to it, I realized that the addiction is, the answer is a little bit more. It's a little bit more, a little bit more that'll make you happy, a little bit more, but you end up with less and less. And I uh, realized that going to uh, the loony bin was probably, it should have been a wake-up call for me, but it did not serve as a wake-up call. In fact, there were several wake-up calls um, that I missed. Uh, I, I totaled my car one morning after being up all night uh, doing some things unbeknownst to my friend that I was taking home, and I uh, almost killed the, the both of us. And um, I knew that guy since I was in the first grade, and we don't really talk very much anymore. Um, I was arrested for DWI and possession of cocaine, um, and you can Google that. Uh, my mother-in-law did the day before we were met. <laughs> it's bad stuff. Not good. Uh, not good. Not good. <laughs> that hit the Associated Press, and what I found out yesterday was it also hit USA Today. Thank you. My uh, publicist has not gotten that kind of uh, you know, response from anything since. But it, uh, it did not do good for my career. It almost bankrupted me and almost, uh, I lost uh, all my sponsorships, uh, lots of money, uh, ton, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of gigs, all lost in a week, radio commercials, TV, everything. And um, you'd think that that was enough and that that was a good enough wake-up call, but I actually overdosed on drugs at some point, and that didn't serve as a wake-up call. Um, the lie that I was believing was more and more was the answer. What I got was less and less. And um, one night at a friend's house, he let me borrow his lake house, and I went over there and I got high on cocaine, and I sat down and I wrote this song. Before any of this stuff had happened, I sat down and I, I knew that there was something wrong, and I wrote this song uh, foreshadowing my own demise.
talk in circles Don't even understand themselves Yeah, but they got an offer And I got a stack of unpaid bills And I'm on a highway Somewhere south of your hometown Whistles are blowing And ghosts are running on the ground Somewhere down the line I lost my way And there's nobody here left to blame Except me and this face That I can't Nothing left to hide. It won't be long now. Won't be nothing left to hide. I want to feel this way forever and a day. journal with my songs it's my therapy and uh, you lay my songs out uh, in chronological order as they were recorded and you will see a perfect picture of my life um, at this point I was in a really low place and I was searching for some new hope and I was searching for a new way this old lifestyle didn't seem to be working so I was trying to figure out how to maneuver that to make it work and along comes my wife Woo! She led me to Jesus. Thank you. Man, trying to get out of this thing. <clears throat> she didn't know me. She'd never heard of me. I don't know how that was possible. Uh, she never heard of any of the things that I did. She didn't hear about this DWI and this whole thing. Uh, her mom Googled it, but she didn't Google it. And so I thought, man, this is perfect. Uh, this is exactly what I need. I need somebody, a fresh start, somebody to help me become a brand new me, right? Wrote a whole album about it. Um, and also the thing that I found out about her is that she knew Jesus and her whole family did. So I'm like, okay, she didn't know anything about me. She had a little bit of Jesus here, a little bit of new fresh stuff. I'm like, this, this might work. You know, the perfect girl. She's the right woman. She's the one, right? She's the one. So, you know, I, I positioned myself to, uh, uh, to, to be a good guy for her. I, I presented my best self. I showed her all the good qualities of myself. I told her that I, and, and this is true, I wanted to change my life. I wanted to find out more about Jesus and God, and I wanted her to help me change my life, and, and, and I wanted to do it with her and through her. In fact, I, I told her that she was gonna save me, that she did save me. And she said, it's really cute that you say that. It's very sweet, but you're an idiot, and that, uh, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, I don't understand. I'm a poet. I'm waxing poetic. This usually works on the other girls, but it's not working on her, so she must be the one. Uh, I didn't uh, know that uh, at the time that the, the reason was because she knew that Jesus was the only one that could save me. And at this time, I did not, did not understand that. And so um, I wrote her a song and an entire album. And this is how the song goes. Rock and roll, and watch you dancing in your hippie dress. There's so much about you, baby. I wanna know right now. All I know is you make love feel like it should. It's a beautiful, crazy kind of good. You said something inside me. Now I'm a brand new me I'm a brand new me There's a light in my songs I ain't seen in a while You know this smile ain't leaving 
pretty green eyes Hold all the truth I need The truth is you saved me, baby And you make love feel like it should It's a beautiful, crazy kind of good And you set something inside me free Now I'm a saved me and we live happily ever after. Still can't get out of this. So at this point, I'm living on a really big high, man. The album is reflecting all of these great feelings and this great thing that's going on in my life and I'm thinking that I've got it figured out, man. I've found the thing that's gonna fill that hole, the perfect woman, right? And a little bit of Jesus, she'll handle that for me. It's all gonna be good. But uh, that's a, a Hollywood movie ending and that's uh, not realistic and it doesn't, doesn't work, and um, so uh, eventually, uh, my old ways, my old lifestyle, drinking and drugs and chasing women began to creep into my marriage. I began to feel unfulfilled and did not understand why she was not becoming the source of my joy and the source of my happiness. Um, I tried to hide these things, and uh, I did a terrible job. Um, I was reflecting what Joe and his friends had modeled for me in my life, not honoring my wife, not respecting my wife, and uh, found myself on the verge of a divorce just like my parents before me, looking into the uh, face of a failed marriage. I forgot my capo, which I need for the next song, and it's in my guitar case if anybody's back there. By the way, this is the enemy working against me. Thank you very much. He's been all over me all week, but I'm not going to let it happen, and neither are you. Um, <laughs> rock. Thank you. I was tuning up, and it was going really good, and then uh, I realized it's going to be way low. Um, so I was realizing that... Uh, this way that I'd been living, it wasn't working. And um, I was still insecure. I was still feeling like a failure. And I had this emptiness that was still not being met. And uh, the, the illusion that my wife could, could take that place and feel that, to put that kind of pressure on her was, was not fair. Um, and it was on what I call the best worst day of my life that uh, I, finally, I finally fell to my knees and I finally came to the conclusion that I had nothing to offer God for a plan for my life. And I had all this guilt and the shame of all the things that I've been doing my whole life and these things that I've been doing in my marriage and I swore that I wouldn't do this in my marriage like my parents had done before me, that I was gonna do it better. And um, yet here I was and... Um, I decided to bring it all out into the light and to confess it all. And I was sitting at this table with her and I actually 
I saw a light come through the ceiling and I heard a voice that told me to confess it all. And I thought, Did all? Yeah, all. So I'm sitting at this table with this woman who so loved the Lord that she followed his commandments to forgive, to have compassion, and to share the love of Christ even with your enemies. And although I was her husband, I may as well have been her enemy for the things that I had done. And yet here she was, personifying Christ in her offer of unconditional love. She requested confession and she offered forgiveness and a chance to set things in motion for redemption. And as, as if that wasn't enough, her parents did the same thing. I went down to her parents' house with my head on low. I confessed the mess that I had been and I was met yet again with unconditional love. I spent years building these walls. I built them wide and I built them tall. Nobody's gonna hurt this heart now Then she came circling round my door I guess she saw something worth fighting for She said, I know you're in there I'm coming, I swear Then I heard boom, boom, boom Louder and louder, faster, stronger I felt the power then the light broke through and the walls came down she wasn't breaking in but she was breaking me out yeah. breaking me out she said you can't live hiding away there's no room to grow in the cage you Sometimes I thought art couldn't be done. I would have given up. She kept on. She said, I know you're in there. I'm coming, I swear. Then I heard boom, boom, boom. Louder and louder, faster, stronger. I felt the power. Then the light broke through and the walls came down. She wasn't. Breaking me out, yeah. Breaking me out. She said, heart can't live all by itself. You've got to risk it all with someone else. Because it's not the love that you receive. It's the love you give that sets you free. She said, I know you're in there. I'm She wasn't breaking in She was breaking me deserves an applause. Not my playing, but what she did, man. I saw the light that day. I was sitting there thinking, like, how can anybody forgive somebody like that? I've never seen anything like this before. 
I never experienced what I didn't understand at that point was unconditional love. I never experienced that before. Never experienced anybody being able to offer forgiveness like that. That had not been modeled for me. So I, I knew, I knew as, as this process happened that I wanted and needed to know who this Jesus guy was. And she, I said, how could you do this? How could you forgive me? And she went to a closet and she came back out with this journal. And in this journal was all these dates, all these pages of all these times where she was praying for me, where she was concerned about the things that I was doing. And, and she was, she had scripture and she had prayers and it was just this big thick journal on it. And man, that was all for me. It blew my mind. And I decided I wanted to know who Jesus was. I wanted to chase him down and find out all about him. And I wanted to find a better way. In fact, my father-in-law didn't just forgive me either. He offered me this pamphlet of how to live a biblical marriage and what that looked like. He showed me, it had Ephesians all through it. And, uh, and I started reading this and I was like, holy cow, there's, there's actually there's actually a guidebook to life. I mean, I grew up with parents telling me that there's no handbook for life. You just got to wing it and figure it out. But there's a guidebook for life, and I wanted to know more about it, man. So I started studying, unlike in college, which I didn't think would be any fun. But, man, I started, I felt like this, I had this conviction. I, I had this hunger to know more about God. And uh, I started studying and learning about marriage and what marriage really is supposed to be about, the picture of Christ and his love for the church. And it's a selfless, sacrificial love. And that if you give of yourself to your spouse, God will give back to you a fulfillment that you cannot really express or imagine or write about. And I try to write about it because I'm a songwriter, but I can't even put it into words. I seeked out friends that I thought would know who Jesus was and and they didn't meet me with anecdotes and, and you'll, you'll be all right kind of thing. They grabbed me. They hugged me. They prayed for me. They opened up the Bible with me. They took me to men's groups. They started taking me to church and started spending one-on-one -on -one time with me and filling me up with the love and the joy of Christ. And I started to realize that I don't have to live with this guilt and this shame. I don't have to live with that anymore because I was redeemed and I was set free. And there's a song on the radio called I Am Redeemed. And it happened to be on the radio right when this all this stuff was going down. And it was crazy. There was this frantic search for happiness that I spent my whole life trying to, to fill this void. And, 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 and nothing was giving me happiness. And I realized and discovered what joy was. I realized that God has a peace that's everlasting, that's, that's, that's beyond measure. Uh, peace that surpasses all understanding, right? And joy is not circumstantial. So, man, I want some of that. I want some of that juice. I'm gonna drink that. I wanna drink from that fountain. I, uh, I didn't have to be afraid of failing anymore. I didn't have to be afraid of what other people thought of me. My self-worth was defined by what you guys thought of me. That's why I had all these things. But I don't have to do that anymore. My identity is in Christ, man. I have confidence in his plan for me. <clears throat> So I know there's people that expect to see this, this mess of a guy that, that you've heard this story about. You, you know my past. You know my history. I write about strippers and beer and all these things. And, and it's true. I did all that stuff. But that's, that's not who I am anymore. In Christ, I am a beloved child of God. And I realized that I was created on purpose, with purpose, and for purpose. And my purpose today is to get up here and to let you know that no matter where you are in your life, no matter where you are, you have two options that you can take. You can take a path of truth or you can take a path of lies. And I chose the path of lies most of my life, okay? And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't work. The, the enemy is gonna try to convince you that that path is the better path, but it, he's a liar. I realize that he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. And he tried to do that with me. And for some reason, God was always with me. He, he was always with me and he was always watching my back and he always offered me a choice, man. He always offered me a choice to choose him. And I just want you to know you don't have to live in this, this lie. You can confess. I don't know what the outcome's gonna be for you, but when you confess, it's gonna change your world because you're gonna be free of all that stuff and you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit and it's real. God is real. The Holy Spirit is real. Jesus is real and it's true and the Bible is true and the things that it tells you is true. And I encourage you to take some time to contemplate that, to make a better choice, to claim the forgiveness and change your life. Get it.
choices are made between truth and lies there's no question of choice you've made i see it in your eyes take your time just be still listen to the wind blow through the trees feel the rain on the windowsill it feels right i can't be wrong why did i ever let it go ask you just to have a seat for a brief moment and if you would nobody be stirring or moving the Methodists have already beat us to Luby's it doesn't matter today well I guess maybe some of y'all need to leave but what we just got to be a part of is sacred ground sacred ground because of Corey's courage What he just did up here is hard. Open up your life in front of people that you don't know, people you do know. And I'm gonna tell you something. Sharing, you're amazing. And you are. But as the father of a daughter, you're the guy I wanna meet. 
Sherry's dad is here with her today right down front too. It's not so much the God that I want to meet, but the man I want to be to be able to extend that kind of grace. I don't know where you are today, but I do know that every one of us has gotten a front row seat to the amazing grace of God. And no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, that amazing grace is available for you. And I know this not only because of Corey's story and testimony, but I know this because of what the Bible tells us, that God so loved the world. And when it says that he loved the world, that means that he loves you by name, me by name. He loves you so much that he gave his only son so that whoever, whoever believes in him will never die but will have eternal life. I think a lot of times that phrase eternal life gets misunderstood and we think that that means when we die, exclusively. Now it obviously includes that, but it also means that eternal life begins right here and right now. The Bible says that it is the life that is truly life. We get to begin experiencing that. A fraction of what we will know, but we get to know it here. If you're here today and you want to step into that kind of life, to live that kind of peace that Corey talked so eloquently about, that he's written so beautifully about, it's available. It's available in the choice to respond to God's amazing grace and step into a relationship with God in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you if you will bow your heads for just a moment. But it's a sacred moment. If you'd like to begin that relationship, then we invite you to pray just right where you're sitting. You don't have to pass a test. You don't have to fill out a form. You begin a relationship with God in a prayer. It's a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of surrender to the only one who will never take advantage of our surrender. So if that's you, we invite you to pray just silently right where you are. In your own words, say something like this. Just silently say, Jesus, I need you. I know that you are real. And so I confess my sin to you openly and honestly, holding nothing back so that I can claim and accept your forgiveness. And Jesus, from this moment forward, I will follow you with everything I have. Lord, I pray this prayer in your name. I wanna ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for a moment. But if that was your prayer, then I think it really matters that you understand this is the biggest moment of your life. And as a, as a church, as a family of faith, we wanna help with what comes next. And so I wanna ask you to do just a couple of things. Right now, as our heads are bowed, if you would open up the program that you got when you came in, and inside you'll notice there's a connect card. If you would just start filling that out, that's for you to let us know how we can help, how we can come alongside and begin a conversation that'll proceed at whatever pace works for you. 
You'll notice about a third or half of the way down, there's a place to indicate I committed my life to Christ this week. And, and once you finish that card, you can tear it off along the perforation on the fold. And if you would, just hand it to one of our ushers or hosts on your way out when we dismiss in a moment or at the hub underneath the big front porch out here that you came in, you came by when you walked in. But as our heads are bowed for just another moment, I wanna ask you, if that was your prayer, I wanna invite you to mark this moment in your life. Just, just physically, quietly, but unmistakably raise your hand and just hold your hand up for a moment to stamp this moment, to make sure that you understand this is real. You stamp this moment in your life, in the life of this church. And this is just the beginning. And as a, as a family, we celebrate that with you. We honor that. And our family tradition around here is that you can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're gonna put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.